Good morning, everyone. Once again, it is good to be coming to you by way of this recorded sermon. It is going to be audio today rather than video because we ran into some unexpected difficulties. But we also want to begin this service by reminding ourselves that God has been good to us this week. We have heard of the improvement with Sandy Globe. We know that Marcia Chagrin had successful surgery. And so that is good news. But of course, all of us are saddened by the fact that Dean Messler went to be with the Lord this last week, who had been a faithful and dear servant in this church. There will be more to be said in the future at his memorial service, which has to be postponed due to the restrictions placed on us in this time of crisis. But you will be hearing uh, from us about a, a way that we can honor his memory in a very practical way. And so be looking forward to that in the coming week. You know, the kingdom of God which Jesus brought near in his life and ministry, does not operate on the principles of the world. The mission of the kingdom reflects who Jesus was, God's purpose, and God's character. For example, the kingdom of God is about giving people a second chance. You know, the kingdom is full of people who have failed, but are given new opportunity. It is relatively easy and safe to give someone a first chance. We do it all the time. Employers do it when they hire someone for a position. We do it with family members and friends routinely. Everyone deserves a chance, an opportunity. We all believe that. But it is not so easy or safe to give someone a second chance, especially when they have failed in the first one. You may know that by experience in your own life. Someone may have failed you when you gave them a chance, an opportunity. And the offering of a second chance or another opportunity for you is very problematic. Well, you know, when you read the resurrection stories preserved in the gospel of the church, we find one that reveals the living Lord in a way demonstrating the unusual nature of the kingdom and of the kingdom mission to his disciples in that least likely of places to make appearances, Galilee. You remember that sermon of a few weeks ago, don't you? Jesus surprises his disciples as they come in from a fishing outing on the Sea of Tiberias, or better known as the Sea of Galilee. Here on the shoreline, Jesus will manifest himself again <clears throat> in another appearance after the resurrection to a group of his disciples. I want you to read this story with me in John chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. 
and reading through verse 19. <clears throat> After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. You know, this text is illuminating on two important levels. One might argue on others, but at least on two I think especially important levels. It is instructive about the mission 
that Jesus has in store for his church. Represented in this collection of seven disciples on a fishing trip. It's also instructive about the grace demonstrated by the living Lord in that mission in offering a second chance to those who fail. I find it odd. I find it a little teasing that these two ideas are woven together in this story in John's Gospel. But I think they're instructive for us today in the church. In the church in the world and in our church here in Chictawaga. So with what's just been said, I want you to notice with me the first sign of kingdom mission that I think we find in this text. And that first sign is obedience. Obedience. How do you explain after two encounters with the risen Christ that this group of seven disciples go off fishing? And by the way, this is not an insignificant group. Three of these fishermen were in the inner core of the twelve. Peter, James, and who in this text are called the sons of Zebedee. So how do we understand this? In my opinion, it is a simple but profound symbol of Christian mission and evangelism in fulfillment of the great commission that comes from the living and risen Lord. And actually, it bears a strong resemblance to earlier passages that are called signs in the Gospel of John. What was a sign? Well, it was a, a real-life situation where the power of the Lord was put on display. And this served as a pointer to kingdom reality and opportunity. Jesus, early in his ministry, had with these disciples, when he called them from their actual nets for fishing, and he promised that he would make them fishers of men. And I think that is in the background here as well. From this experience of a breakfast along a lakeshore, we learn about kingdom mission. Kingdom mission of the church then, and that kingdom mission that has not changed in the church today. And essential to kingdom mission is obedience. And this resurrection story by the lakeshore underscores that in a way that we can understand. Obedience. Doing what the king commands us to do. For example, when we read the Great Commission in Matthew 28, there is a command there. In fact, imperatives in the verbs in that Great Commission that we are all familiar with. Commands that we must heed if we're going to be successful in carrying out that Great Commission. Carrying out the kingdom mission of the church in the world. The disciples in this story, in John, have decided to go on a fishing trip at Peter's suggestion. Peter always seemed to be the first one to talk. Some think this was an act of disobedience. 
an act of disobedience to Jesus by Peter and an act of disobedience by the others. They argue that instead of going on mission, they were returning to their previous lives and occupation. Most of them had been commercial fishermen. If there is disobedience here, I don't see it. It is not in the text, and Jesus does not rebuke them for fishing. The story says they fished all night. And by the way, a common practice for commercial fishermen because they wanted their fish fresh in order to take it to market the next morning and sell it. But on that night, they caught absolutely nothing. And as the day breaks and they're making their way into shore, they see a man standing on the shore who poses a question. In my version, the English Standard Version, he says, children, closer to the Greek meaning of the word, would be boys or lads. So he says, boys, do you have any fish? And of course, this sets up the teaching moment of what I think is a sign in this gospel. And the answer from these disciples to that question was no. And then there comes the command. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. They obeyed. And when they cast the net to the right side, to the starboard, they caught so many fish they couldn't pull it in to the boat. An incredible success by any standard of fishing for their day. What they could not see, Jesus could. Abundant fish swimming to the right of their boat. And I think this is a profound image of the risen Christ directing his followers where there is success. But before they would experience that, they had to obey. Obedience is primary for the kingdom citizen, for living and for carrying out the mission that Christ has given to his church. You know, we work a great deal in this church. Indeed, to be honest, in most churches. But the reality is no matter how hard we work, success is always in the hands of the Lord who directs and who expects our obedience to that direction. Only when we who call ourselves Christians obey Him do we find success and positive results. On that seashore, long ago in Galilee, the direction came from the risen Christ who was bodily present there. Today, the direction of Christ comes to us through the witness of the Holy Scriptures and the inner leading of the Holy Spirit. A great opportunity appears to the starboard, to the right side in this church in Chictawaga. And there is that impulse of the Spirit, that teaching of Christ, that, that impulse to cast our net there. Of course, the troubling question to me is, have we done that? 
and are we doing that? I was thinking as I was preparing this sermon that God put before us the opportunity of ministering to families of children with autism. Not so much ministering to autistic children, simply providing a place for them to stay while their parents who have little respite would be able to attend Bible study and worship. How did we respond? Just before this pandemic, we were approached with another opportunity to provide a place for adults with mild Alzheimer's to come and play games with people who would volunteer from our church to be with them. Not to take care of them, not to clean them up, not to feed them, just to play games, to give them time away from their norm. I asked myself, was that the risen Lord through His Spirit saying, cast your net here or cast your net there? I rather think so. Sometimes there is just that compulsion that this is what the risen Lord would have us to do. You know, there is a great dynamic at work in the kingdom that is essential and yet it is also a mystery. It is absolutely essential, but it is also a mystery. The sovereign and risen Lord directs His church, but coupled with that direction is obedience and using what is at hand to be obedient. You'll notice in this story, which I think is included here because in this story, there are illustrated kingdom truths. You notice that the Lord had these men use the means at hand, their boat and their nets and their skills, to accomplish this huge catch. He did not create some supernatural net or sprinkle some divine pixie dust in order to catch these fish. No, he used the means at hand through these men, to accomplish his purpose. And I think he does that today as he directs his church, directs his church here at Cheektowaga Baptist Church. He is sovereign and he is Lord. And he gives us direction and command. But he also expects us to use what is at hand. You know, some of us seem to always talk about what we don't have here at Cheektowaga Baptist Church. Tend to want to compare us to the mega churches. And you are right. Even if you don't realize that the presence of so many mega churches in America has actually weakened the church in this country because, by and large, they are built on the backs of smaller churches. But I am not going to argue they have many tools. But what we do have in common is the risen and sovereign Lord who gives the direction and purpose to His church. And what we have at hand is our obedience and the tools and the gifts and the abilities in our hand. And you know what? That is all the Lord asks for.
And it is enough to carry out his mission, fill our nets in this time and place. So when you look at signs of kingdom mission, it begins in obedience, but there's more in this passage. Another sign of kingdom mission is what I want to term provision. You know, what follows this catch is this. John recognizes the man on the shore, and he tells Peter, who then in typical Peter fashion grabs his outer garment, and he does that because he's wearing his inner uh, tunic, and in Jewish modesty and tradition, you cannot appear before someone that way. He then plunges into the water and swims to where Jesus is standing. It's almost comic. He puts on this heavier garment. Normally, when you go swimming, it is about taking off garments, but Peter puts on his heavy outer cloak and makes his way to the shore. And the other disciples, in the meantime, bring in the boat and drag this net full of fish to land with them. And, and here is the image that meets their eyes in this story. There's a charcoal fire that is burning with fish being cooked and bread present. All of this prepared for them by the risen Lord. You know, what images came to their mind? Images suggestive. You see, it was not far from this very spot that Jesus had taken fish and bread and fed a multitude. You remember that story? The disciples would have remembered it too. Once again, here by the seashore, the living Lord provides what they could not fully provide themselves. The meal was there at his provision. And I've always wondered, where did that fish and bread come from? We're not told. From the risen and sovereign Lord? Yes. And here in microcosm, at this lakeside breakfast, the Lord provides for them again. No less than he does for us today. Brothers and sisters, kingdom work presumes divine provision. You know, when Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28, here in the very same area of Galilee, he said something that is often missed in our quoting of that Great Commission. He says, all power or all authority in heaven and on earth are given to me. Therefore, translate on that basis, go and make disciples of all nations. Teach and baptize. Did you notice that text? The commission is dependent upon the provision of the power and authority of the risen Christ. The living Lord has all authority, all power, and he gives that to his church so that on that basis we do the kingdom's work in our world. But you also want to notice something else. He tells these disciples oddly to bring some of the fish they caught. 
while the Lord provides once again, he says, I want you to add the work of your hand, the efforts that you have made. You see, and I hope you hear this because it's important, along with sovereign power comes human responsibility to contribute as well. God makes use of what we can do and provide in the kingdom's work. He will accomplish His will and purpose, but that will take into account what we offer as well. This, uh, let's call it divine human interaction, is important to move forward with as we do the work of the kingdom here at CCBC. God will provide, but He expects from us obedience and making use of what we have and what we can do. You know, one of the greatest preachers in the English-speaking world, maybe the greatest, was a 19th century Baptist preacher in London named Charles Spurgeon, maybe the most quoted preacher in history. He once, as he was commenting on this text, said these words. I find them fascinating. Listen to them. We are to catch fish as if we should have nothing to eat if we did not. But yet we are to depend upon him as if we never caught a fish ourselves. Do everything as if you had to do everything. Trust in God as if you had to do nothing. The blending of these two will make a wise believer. The wise and spiritually mature believer, so Spurgeon, so this text, moves forward in obedient faith, knowing that the Lord is going to provide, and at the same time, we offer and utilize what lies to our hand what we possess. The coming together of these two things, God's sovereign power and provision and our willingness to use our time, talent, and treasure, when these come together, it impacts life, it impacts a church, it impacts a community, and it impacts the world. So what do you have at hand to offer the sovereign and risen Lord do you really believe He will provide even as He uses what you provide? This is the paradox that moves the kingdom forward then and now. What are signs of kingdom mission? Obedience, provision, and one last thing in this text. I really struggle with what to call it, but I'm going to call it reaffirmation. And actually, this may be what is remembered most from this particular text from the Gospel of John. Remembered most and yet often not practiced in churches. And, and what is remembered? Well the great interrogation of the Apostle Peter. Notice, 
as they gathered around this charcoal fire to share a meal with Jesus, you know, it had to bring to mind what was lurking in Peter's mind and heart. You see, there was another night and another charcoal fire that Peter was beside. And on that night, beside that fire, Peter would deny Jesus three times. Can you imagine Peter staring into the fire there by the Sea of Galilee, probably picking his eyes occasionally to look at Jesus, and then swiftly turning his eyes back to the fire and thinking, I failed him. I betrayed him. What does he think of me? And can you imagine the lurch that Peter made when Jesus suddenly at the conclusion of the meal asked him, no other, but ask him, Simon, notice the formal name, not the nickname of affection, Peter. Simon, do you love me more than these? Some think that Jesus was pointing to the other disciples when he said that. They are the these. Was this a reminder of Peter's boast before our Lord was crucified that even if the disciples, all the others denied him, he, Peter, would not under any circumstance? Do you think, since at this breakfast it was at dawn, that a rooster could have just then raised its plaintive cry? Who knows? But the import of the three times that Jesus asked this is clear. Three questions to Peter on the night of Jesus' trial. Three denials. Now, three questions again beside another fire. And Peter's affirmations followed by commission. You know, I could dwell on this text and talk about the different words for love in our Lord's questions and in Peter's responses. Those are important. But I really just want to call attention to this truth. Three times our Lord recommissions this disciple who had failed. He gives him a second chance. He takes a man broken by his own failure and puts him back into the work of the kingdom which was to care for the flock of God. Peter felt guilt, a sense of unworthiness, failure, not deserving. You know, I can identify with every one of those. And if you're honest, you can too. But what is remarkable about the kingdom and its work is the fact that it is a place for second chances. Indeed, third chances and fourth chances. In this church that is on kingdom mission, most of us are going to fail at one time or another in any number of ways. We're going to give in to our base desires. We're going to be greedy. We're going to grasp our time and treasure to ourselves. We're going to indulge our basis needs. Whatever. And as we do this, some within the church make it a point to never forget or never forgive what you've done. The stones from the self-righteous will always come flying. 
but not so the risen Lord and not so his will for the church on kingdom mission. He offers to the failed Simon mercy, forgiveness, and restoration. In other words, a second chance. You know, as you listen to this sermon, a past failure or current one surfaces in your conscious thought. Maybe it lingers there in guilt as you try and live your life. Maybe it keeps you from active service in Christ's mission and in Christ's church. Maybe you fear what others in the righteous group will say about you if they find out. But you know, the truth is the risen Lord confronts you with one question. Do you love me? Not, are you perfect? Do you love me? If you do, obey me and care for others as I have cared for you. That's what he said to Peter. He is to care. He is to look after others. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? If you really do, then care for others as I have cared for you. That is true of us as it was of Peter. The church of Jesus Christ, because it is the church of Jesus Christ, is a place of the second chance for you, indeed for all of us. What the Lord looks for is obedience. Do you love me? Then feed. Feed others. Care for others and follow me. Even when it costs you everything. And by the way, it would cost Peter everything as this text also suggests he would be crucified. Cost him his very life. Are we willing to obey? Are we willing to work with the provision of God while at the same time presenting our gifts, our time, our talent, our treasure? Are we willing to be a people of the second chance, granting it to others as well as to ourselves, because that is exactly what Jesus does? Do you love me then? That is a question you must wrestle with today. In church family, are we a people like our Lord who freely offers the second chance to those among us who fail? You see, that is a hallmark of the kingdom. Indeed, as I understand basic gospel truth, I could not even have entered the kingdom. I could not have been spiritually reborn until I made that great confession that I had failed, that I was a sinner. 
that will continue in life. But Christ offers us one chance after another as we come and seek to follow Him and love Him. Are we a people like our Lord who freely offer the second chance to those among us who fail? I think that's an important question this text raises as well and a question that we all must wrestle with today. Are we willing to give that second chance, that third chance, which is a hallmark of those who have fallen falling, following the risen Christ? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words and this story of long ago, of a fishing trip and a seaside breakfast, but one made so special by the presence of the risen Christ. We believe that he is present with us today. Your Holy Spirit makes him present in our lives and in our church. He is present to us in Scripture, made alive by that same Spirit as we come to understand this living Lord. And Father, He comes in this text to challenge us about kingdom mission, to be obedient, to accept provision, and to offer second chances. Father, find in us the commitment to do just that in our time and in this place. And this because of and through Jesus Christ. Amen.